Hey everyone, Alan Smithson here, and today we're speaking with Dominic Collins, CEO and co-founder of Darabase Limited, a global platform that is managing and monetizing AR permissions on the physical world. All that and more on the XR for Business podcast. Dominic, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. Very excited to be here. We did an event about six months ago with our law firm in Toronto, Faskins, and uh, we did this kind of uh, VR and AR through the legal lens event with the VR AR Association in Toronto. And what we realized was there's this kind of massive problem that if you're putting augmented reality over top of the physical world, uh, who owns that data? Who's responsible for it? I think the, the first case study that we've seen of this is Burger King lighting uh, McDonald's uh, advertisements on fire in AR. This is going to be a really interesting space. And now with Snapchat putting world lenses on buildings. So this is what you do. Why don't you walk us through what it is Darabase does and, and how it's solving this problem? Yeah. Um, so I, you're absolutely right. You know, since we started the company about a year ago, just so much has, has happened to I suppose, add further grist to our mill that our service and, and services like this are required. We, we kind of see ourselves, I suppose, as um, the permission layer between the spatial web um, and the physical world. You know, you've got a lot of, it's amazing how many big companies now, kind of what, what I call the kind of the immersive lasagna, that kind of, you know, whether it be Magic Leap's Magic Verse or the, the real world index from Facebook, you've kind of got these great slides with these huge, you know, loads of layers with the the, the physical world and the digital twin and infrastructure and all of these things that sit on top. But as you say, it doesn't really feel that the permission of the real world physical property owner is taken into consideration. Our insight, I suppose, and my, my background is a, is a kind of working digital and, and working in marketing, is that where media and platforms have really thrived historically um, and where they've really kind of accelerated in, in terms of growth and adoption has been where all of the actors kind of engaged and rewarded appropriately. And, and, and from a digital perspective, there's never been a time where permission and privacy and consents are kind of more in the spotlight. So Darabase, essentially it is at its simplest form an AR database, hence Darabase, but we're a, a global database of permissions where a, a physical property owner, whether that be a big iconic building, whether that be a, a retailer, is able to register in a kind of technology platform agnostic way. So just once, which will work across all the different AR clouds or platforms or whatever we want to call them, that they can register what appears on their property. Now we're talking commercial content. We're not saying that we're trying to govern and be a police force for editorial content. But if someone wants to put commercial content or advertising on a building, then we believe that the physical property owner should have a say that that's a far more scalable and appropriate mechanic than other companies who have taken a different route. So other companies are creating AR twins of the world and then selling those for a tenth of an ether or whatever. Um, we think that actually long-term and even short-term, it just makes a lot more sense that if I own this iconic building in the middle of New York, that actually I should have a say over what content gets served on it. And if it's commercial, then I should get a cut. The same way that I can do a deal right now with a company that puts billboards on the side of buildings, I give them the consent, they put it up, they manage it on my behalf, and I get a check at the end of every month. And that's basically what Darabase does in its simplest form. So I, I think in order for this to be effective, you, you kind of have a, a two-prong sales approach. You have to get the property owners on board and permissions that way, but you also need to get the AR platforms. And I would think that Facebook, Snapchat, uh, maybe Apple, those are the main ones, but you, you kind of need to get all of them really in order for this to be effective, correct? Uh, yes and no. So we're certainly starting out with 
working with a lot of very large property owners who both see the risk and they also see the opportunity. And for them, this is a, I hate the term, but a bit of a no-brainer. You know, they can they can register their properties um, for free and they can allow it to be monetized and even go down to the level of picking IAB categories in terms of what type of content will appear on their building. They can also, if they're retailers, serve their own content through Darabase so they can be serving their own promotions. So yes, the property owners kind of create the marketplace if you want to kind of think of it that way. In terms of then, you know, who's on the flip side of that marketplace, actually, you know, we're about to um, launch our first SDK and that's, we think of it much more at a unity level than necessarily at an Apple or a Google level. Through Darabase's SDK, you'll be able to essentially kind of plug in monetization to your world-facing error app, which is much more contextual to the location rather than being interruptive. And that will work across all of those platforms. Now, there's also other conversations that we're having, and I can't go into a lot of detail on those because most of them are under NDA. But certainly there are very large platforms who are creating tool sets for brands and agencies who are saying, look, Immersive is core to the future of our business. We're investing heavily in this space. And actually world-facing lenses are probably you know, more interesting long-term than selfie-facing, which there's been some famous ones for brands like Taco Bell and whatever, but actually the ability to serve commercial content in a mixed reality way on the world is kind of more, uh, has more scope, let's say. But actually, absolutely, they want to ensure that where brands do that, that consents and permissions have been given. From the conversations that we're having, that's what we're building is not a solution that, that those companies are looking to build themselves. The property companies themselves certainly want to be able to have one place to register. And so we're building this, as I said, in a very platform agnostic way so that you can call against the database platform to work out what permissions there are, where you can serve content based on the device location in real time. And yes, that will work across all of the major platforms. So you're really going kind of the, the root of AR, meaning kind of Apple and, and Google foundation. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, our AR foundation is great because it kind of straddles both. Right now, this is a mobile play. Um, we know from just from the last few days how the rumor mill can swing wildly between between years, let alone months. I fully expect, and, and I've been working in, in immersive, you know, I, I ran um, Jaunt VR outside of the US um, previously. Um, so I have been kind of immersed myself in this space for a number of years. And I am a firm believer that this fourth computing wave of immersive will increasingly replace mobile. Um, but for now and for the for the years coming up, or certainly the months coming up, mobile is the major play from Facebook. They've had over a billion users now in AR in the last year. So right now, it's all about supporting the major players, the major platforms through the mobile lens. But as and when we see kind of scale, especially consumer-facing, consumer-targeting HMDs, then we'll look to support those too. But that's, you know, a lot of them don't even work outside right now. So that's not a priority for us for the moment. It's going to come, but it's going to take a few years. So everybody be patient. And the, the device that's in your hand is the the magic window to the world right now. Before you were working on Darabase, you have uh, some pretty interesting experience in the VR and AR space. And then before that in uh, telecom, you want to just talk about, a bit about how you kind of ended up at Darabase? Yeah, sure. So I spent most of my career, I suppose, um, working in large organizations, helping them be more digital. That's when digital existed, kind of way back when I, I worked in magazines before the internet was really a thing and when people still bought magazines. And I used to kind of run the Squire magazine in the UK and various bits and bobs. I then went into digital when that first started. I was in a European startup for a little while and then I ran digital at Sky, as well as then ran a couple of companies for Orange, France Telecom, and, and then worked in, in a company called EE, which is the largest telco, helped to launch that brand with the launch of 4G 
in the space, as well as being, I was chief marketing officer for a, a big finance company called Legal and General. So basically spent a lot of my career kind of riding, um, I suppose, the, the wave of change through various industries, starting with advertising in magazines and kind of finishing off on the kind of the beach of fintech. And what I kind of realized when I got to working in the finance side and, and having done that for a number of years and, and applied what I'd learned in one industry and, and, and applying it to the next, was that actually, whilst I spent most of my time helping big companies be more digital, it, it might be more fun to help digital companies be more big. I'd just done a big deal with WPP and did a big agency review and so on, and was lucky enough to um, be invited to go to on what they call their West Coast tour, where they take kind of 14, 15 CMOs from across the world, and you get on a bus, you kind of, you know, get into SFO, you get on a bus, you go see Jack Dorsey at Twitter for a couple of hours, and then you get on a bus and you go and see Marissa at Yahoo, as she was, you get on a bus, you go in a driverless car for a bit. And, and, it, and it's amazing networking opportunity, and because you've got, you know, a billion plus worth of ad revenue in the room, um, the people that you get to meet in the Valley are, are significant and senior and give you a lot of their time, which is a real privilege. And the last company that I met was a company called Jaunt. And Jaunt had just raised their C round. So it just raised about $100 million at that point from the likes of Highland and Redpoint and Disney and Sky and China Media Capital and a bunch of others. Um, and they were this relatively small company in Palo Alto, just thinking about opening a studio in LA. And kind of long story short, I then kind of joined them as the first guy outside of California and helped to grow that business and launched the international business and then also ran the joint venture in China and kind of was had an amazing time both from a VR perspective and then as you probably know going into AR we made some changes towards the end of last year to kind of bring the focus back down make that much more of an AR business um, and as you may have seen that was recently the technology and IP was acquired by Verizon so yeah so I spent the kind of the last four or five years and in, in this kind of immersive bubble and it was during that time that I really started thinking about um, putting my kind of traditional marketing media hat back on about actually if this was really going to be big and if this was going to be the main way that we all see our digital content that for sure some of it is just going to be floating in front of a building and it's just my inbox and it has no relevance or persistence in that location some of it's going to be editorial and if i want to take a picture of buckingham palace and draw a heart love heart and send it to my folks in santa monica and say love from london that's absolutely fine but in my mind, if you want to put a Lion King from Disney ad on top of Buckingham Palace, which was a recent landmarkers campaign, then I, my argument would be you need the permission of the royal palaces. And if they did give their permission, then they should get paid because you're making a direct correlation between the IP of a palace and the IP of a king. It's interesting that you say that, but like, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. There are no legal precedents around this. Nobody's really paying attention to it other than us. So what happens? Like, what happens if, like, how do you enforce this? How, how does it become something that that property owners go, we need to have this? So I think uh, I've got two answers. Um, first answer is around is there legal precedence? Now that depends on how you see legal precedence. If you see legal precedence as in has something gone to court specifically about AR, um, like Candy Labs or Niantic, and 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 has that been tested in court and how much precedence is there specific to AR content of a commercial nature being served on a physical location, you're absolutely right. There's, there's very little. Though, let's be honest, it's going to come. We want to be able to create a platform which helps to, I use the term probably not carelessly, but kind of clean that up um, ahead of any regulation coming in or self-regulation coming in. But this, the other way of looking at it is, is actually, is there existing precedence? Is there ex existing law and regulation that should be or is easily applied to what we're doing. 
and, and I've heard people say before, and look, we're not trying to be the police force. We're trying to be a, a company that empowers this, not polices it. You know, we want to be able to create a service, which means that this grows, not diminishes. But you know, I've heard people say before, it doesn't really exist. It's only on the screen. So let's say, take the Lion King example. You know, the lion's not really on Buckingham Palace. It's only on the screen. You wouldn't otherwise see it. But in my mind, that's no different to me taking a video of Buckingham Palace and then photoshopping a line on it and putting it into a TV ad. I mean, that's only on the screen too. And yet you could not do that. You could not use the IP of Buckingham Palace in that way because that's an established modus operandi. The other way of looking at it is, well, actually, is there already regulation that just kind of applies to another media, which is extremely close? And we're not picking up the phone to the Royal Palaces or picking up the phone to Snapchat and saying, hey, you guys should stop doing this. We're Darabase. Quite the opposite. What we're looking to do is try and create alternative iconic locations and landmarks where you can do this and everyone's super happy and the brand can do it with with confidence and and brand safety, which is then the second part of the answer, which is why should anyone care if there's no law, then does does anyone even need Darabase? And my answer to that is, well, we've got this thing, as you probably heard, called GDPR over here which is having quite an impact more, more globally as well. And there's a bunch of stuff that GDPR kind of put into place in law that actually everyone, or certainly all the good actors were doing anyway. You know, people were doing double ops in email before because it's the right thing to do. I have to say something, and I think I speak for the world. The GDPR thing is great, except for now every single website I go into, I have to accept the cookies and then I can't even visit the website if I don't accept them. This is stupid law, and it's pissed me off. On every website, I have extra things now. It's dumb. I agree. And actually, what all that happens is there's an extra click because no one then goes in and manages their clickies anyway. And actually, the next level of it, it's going to be even worse because what they're now saying is that actually you need to give people the ability much more proactively to be able to look at the different types of consents they're given and split that out. And so, yeah, I'm not saying that I'm here as a proponent of GDPR. I agree on a personal level. It's- I had to call it out because it, it's one of those things. I only have one venue for my outlet. This is this podcast, so I got to call things out sometimes. I don't want to accept your cookies. Piss off. Let me just see this stuff. You got it off your chest, Andy. I should never have mentioned GDPR. That should have been in my briefing notes. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so the second thing is, look, I believe, having been a marketer myself you know, for many years, that the vast majority of brands, and I'll come back to Burger King, but the vast majority of brands want to make sure that they are not doing anything to erode the significant money that they spent building their brand equity, that they have seen as doing the right thing. That, and in fact, I, you know, I speak to major agency groups where they say, look, it's actually in our terms of business that we sign with our brand clients, that we will not book anything that is not permission-based. That's not to say... Will not book anything that's not illegal, but it's not booked anything that's not permission based. Yes, there will be a few guerrilla tactics. And I, you know, personally, I think what's genius actually about the Burger King burn the ad campaign, burning McDonald's ads, and so on. What I think is absolutely genius about this, and I think the AR industry generally can learn from this, is that, okay, we live in a bit of a bubble, but everyone in our bubble and a lot of people beyond have, know about this thing. But actually, it happened in Brazil. Um, as far as I'm aware, it certainly wasn't in North America, you know, in North America or in Europe or whatever. It's a you know, relatively small campaign in Brazil. And what was actually the campaign was the YouTube video they created about some quite good looking people doing this thing on their phone. So I'd love to see the data that said how many people actually did the experience inside of the BK app and actually got a free Whopper. Yeah, the, the press release said they'd given out 50,000 free Whoppers. 50,000. Okay. And versus how many people looked at the YouTube? Well, millions. Exactly. This is the learning that actually the vast majority of that campaign was completely permission-based because it was just watching a YouTube video. So 
as I said before, we're saying that this is really applying to where commercial content is specifically being served on a location and where if you wanted to, so let's let's take the Shard, for example, a big iconic building in, in London. Well, the Shard has not done anything about thinking about that this is even an issue or registering it or thinking about the IP or trademark of that building and how it might apply to digital media. Well, none of that has happened. People can very happily start putting content on the Shard in AR. And the number of people that are going to see that is going to grow and grow as we hope and trust over time. Now, as soon as the Shard, however, goes, you know what, we've kind of recognized the fact that this is now a thing and we, we see that there's an opportunity. And actually, we do allow AR content to be served on the building, but we want to be able to frequency cap it and we want to be able to make sure that's the kind of content that we want to go on there. And we kind of expect to get paid because if you wanted to film a TV series or whatever in the building, then you go through our film department and we get paid and we get permits and all the normal stuff. And, and we're going to make it super simple and we're going to use this company called Darabase, but, but we'd like you to use them. And we're going to, and by the way, when you do that, you know that you've given that permission and we're going to get a cut of the campaign revenue or fee or whatever to, to allow you to put your content on our iconic and trademarked location. Now, the vast majority of brands will go, okay, cool. I can super simply do that now. But it takes a very different type of brand to go, you know what? Stuff that I'm still going to put my content on your property. I don't care. You've done all of this thing. I'm still going to stick it on your property. Screw you. The vast majority of brands will not do that. And we believe that for the vast majority of brands to actually really take this medium seriously and come in at scale, they're going to want to know that it is permission-based. And that's the same with the publishers as well. You know, we're working with a couple of large publishers, kind of actually building them like a private property network so that they, they know that, that so there's one, again, it's under NDA, but a very a global youth-focused brand and sports-focused brand. They want to be able to meet and reach their audience using what we call GOAR, you know, world-facing AR in locations where their audience are out going to a club or going to a sporting event or whatever, in, in order that if they've got a big campaign with a you know the shoe manufacturer, that they can start to in, introduce location-based they are as part of that campaign. The only reason that they're now doing that with us is because they know that the, the property network that we're putting together for them with these big property owners in these iconic locations is permission-based and that they can go to their brands and say, just like all the other media that you're buying from us, this is high quality, high reach, trackable and all parties are engaged in the process i i think you you're onto something for sure and the first time you kind of explained to me this business model it seemed so obvious only because we had had this kind of legal lens meeting with faskin and vrar association it was one of those we just you start to kind of question these things well who does own the digital space and magic leaps got their magic verse that they're building you know the multi-layer kind of uh, universe of digital content on top of the real world and you start to go, wow, there's there's so much data uh, floating around from IoT sensors, smartphones to sensors from cars and buses and lights and everything. Being able to, to transform that digital layer, people aren't thinking about it now because the window to the world is through a small six-inch phone or, or tablet. But when it goes to glasses and we're able to kind of really fully unleash spatial computing on the world, this is going to be something that you guys will be well established on. I, I love the fact that you're you're probably three years ahead of everything right now. Yeah, we, I mean that's one of the the conversations we have most often with investors is one of timing. Are we too early? Are we too late? I, I think we're certainly not too late, and I, actually, I don't think we're too early. No, I think the timing is actually very perfect, and I'll tell you why. Over the last five years, tons and tons of money went into VR. A hundred plus million went into Jaunt, ODG. There's been Flipper, there's been a number of spectacular raises and failures because 
people are trying to, to blaze a path. Well, the good thing is Apple and Google and Facebook and Snapchat are all putting billions of dollars behind this. And I think 20, personally, I think 2020 is going to be this spectacular year where developers start to really dig into what the AR kit and AR core capabilities truly are. And I, I think there's so many things. We are only scratching the surface. We were talking about this last night. We're talking about things that are going to come in 10 years from now. We can't even possibly imagine. It's, it's not fathomable for us. And I think you, you are right at the precipice of permissions based on a phone, and then you'll be well-established when it comes time to transfer that to glasses. And, I, and my guess is that's going to be five years from now before we have kind of ubiquitous glasses. So I'm going to kick my prediction of AR glasses out to 2025, but Darabase seems like it's perfectly positioned to capture the mobile phone market, which is in the billions of devices, and then be perfectly situated for when it moves to glasses. Yeah, yeah thank you for, for the vote of confidence. Um, and as you say, even with mobile, depending on whose research you believe, you know, yeah, AR advertising per annum is somewhere between 9 and 19 billion or whatever it is. So, so you know, this is a significant market. I, I think you're right. What, what excites me and what gives me a lot of confidence is just the amount of underlying technology and enablement that is being built into operating systems, Qualcomm chips, um, devices, camera technology. We, we have a great close relationship with Scape, for example, you know, the, the Scapes in the 60s and you know, all of this super exciting underlying functionality, which is making it ever easier for super smart and creative app developers and, and actually web AR developers too, to, to be able to make some amazing experiences. Uh, and, and we just want to be there with them so that they can achieve a higher CPM, they can serve commercial content in a really nice and smooth way into those experiences and in the knowledge that they're doing it in the right way and that everyone's engaged and that they've got a good stream of high quality advertising and, and the inventory to put it on. And I think one, one thing that's, that we really focus on, because as you know, there's so much going on in the space and you can be so many different things. We try hard every day just to be really true to what it is that we're building and not to kind of get pulled into, oh, we could do this or that or the other because there's so many companies in this space. We just want to be this kind of glue, the permission glue, the permission layer that, that works with everybody else in order to make this a fantastic medium for the future. I think it's going to be spectacular. And I think being able to give brands the confidence uh, knowing that they're doing things legally and above board, regardless of wherever the law ends up being. But if you guys are already anticipating the the best case scenario, uh, brands can confidently know that they're advertising in the right way. And then also giving property owners uh, the ability to monetize on the likeness of their buildings. It, it kind of legitimizes. It's almost like when crypto coins were launched, everybody and their brother launched an ICO, and whatever, ITO, they, they had all different names for them. And we saw the kind of rise and crash of that, but it's only when there's regulation involved do we really start to see a maturity and, and real value created of an industry. And I think AR and VR, this industry is growing slower than people had thought, but it's growing in a practical, more pragmatic way that is responsible. And I love the fact that our industry is thinking about things like ethics, securities, permissions. These types of things are really important, not just, hey, let's just make a ton of money. This is I think all of us, everybody on this podcast that I've had as a guest anyway, is looking at this in the long term, like this is in the next 10 years, this is the future of computing, and we can't screw it up. I think you're on to something really amazing, and I want to thank you for, for sharing that. Not at all. Thank you for all the great work that you do, Alan, because you're one of the few people at the center of the community, and the more of a community we are, the, the more successful we'll be. 
Well, since you mentioned community, I'm going to put a plug for XR Ignite. Uh, we're really uh, focused on XR Ignite as a as a three prong approach now. We want to build that community, like you said, and we we want to have the community hub where people can help each other and share. So there's the community hub aspect. Then we want to take companies that are ready to grow and have the accelerator. And then we also want to be able to fund them uh, so that we can help them through sales and marketing and these things, but also capital if they need. So XR Ignite's starting as a community hub, accelerator, and fund. And you can sign up at xrignite.com. Thank you for letting me interject that. I think building the community is important. And we had Upload VR was kind of the center of VR when it started, uh, and it kind of imploded a bit. But we want to pick up that slack and really just make a, a comfortable, safe place for people to share uh, and that sort of thing. What problem in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies? Um, so one thing that we think about, and it's maybe a surprising answer, one thing we think about when we get to a bigger scale, we'd love to have more direct impact on this, but is homelessness. Because we are specifically linked to property. We're specifically linked to how property owners can monetize further their asset. And yet, we, whether you're in Venice Beach or you're in the center of London, I think there's never been a, a worse time in certain areas for homelessness and it affects a lot of people. So, so I think that actually, you know, I, I hope that as we look up from our mobile screens, which can be very blinkering, and we start to look through a, 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 an AR lens uh, on our face, I hope that we see more than just the digital content in our own lives. I hope that we see more broadly um, and we see the world around us in, in a more informed and more, pardon the pun, augmented light. And that includes some of the societal issues that we have around us. So I would hope that that directly through Darabase in the future, but more broadly, things like homelessness can, and, and through digital inclusion, um, that all of our society can be more on a level playing field. So I'm going to throw out a challenge. Uh, what percentage of your sales are going to be dedicated to solving this problem? And, I, and I'm going to dodge the challenge and say, I don't know right now, <laughs> but it's something that, yeah, I, I mean, it would be unfair on, on myself and on my, on my current investors to just pick a number out of the air. But we approach this not to make a ton of money, though that may be a byproduct, but genuinely to try and make sure that this space is one that, that is a positive for the future of our world as, as our world significantly changes in an ever accelerating way. I'm sure many, you and many of your listeners will have seen the hyper-reality video, and, and we know the guy that directed that here in London. None of us want to live in that world, and, and we hope that Darabase can be a... For people listening, look at hyper-reality on YouTube. Oh, my God. It's like a, if, if this shit goes wrong, this is what happens. Exactly. So Darabase exists to try one, avoid that, as well as uh, as well as two, be a force for good. We're, look, we're a company that's a year old. Um, we've got a long journey ahead of us. We're excited about that journey, um, and we will do our best to make this a better place to live in. Well, I love it. Thank you so much, Dominic. Thank you for sharing about Darabase. And people can find Darabase at D-A-R-A-B-A-S-E dot com, Darabase.com. Is there anything else you want to find the last words? Um, anyone who's interested in um, working with us, please reach out. Any large property owners or small property owners who want to register on the, on the database, we have a private beta. Um, again, reach out and we'd love to include you in that. Um, and yeah, we're just looking forward to being an ever, ever more active part of the community. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alan. Thank you so much. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field 
really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is going to drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.